Well, good morning, everyone. I will disappoint you. I don't have anything to say about Taylor Swift, but I will try to find a way to put it in the sermon, if the Holy Spirit allows it. Um, if you haven't met me yet, if you're new, my name is Brian Cobley. I am the youth director, or sorry, family ministry director. I'm still getting used to that title. Uh, the family ministry director here. And I get to preach through our new series in Mark this morning. So if you guys have your Bibles, we will be in Mark 1, 35 through 45. And it's a series that we're calling The Life in Way of Jesus. Now, this is a series that Ryan started. And I will say this series is probably going to take us a very long time. But Ryan's done a really good job of walking us through just the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And to catch you guys up to where we just were. Because we did take about two weeks off in the series. We just encountered Jesus teaching, preaching in synagogues. Uh, we've seen a man who was demon-possessed, want a healing from Jesus. Uh, kind of, We see that this demon even knew who Jesus was, and Jesus healed him, also told him to be silent. And then as the narrative continued, Jesus went into Simon's house, and there he saw Simon's mother-in-law sick to the point of death, and he reached out, touched her, and healed her. But then the story didn't end there. From there, the whole city waited until sundown. But once that happened, they all showed up at Simon's door, and Jesus just did a mass healing. So this morning, we are going to look at the very next day, and a few days beyond. So if you do have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark 1.35. Um, but I want to do what Ryan has been doing this whole series. I want to, let's all stand up for... God's word as we read this. So here it is. <clears throat> Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, this man, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Let's pray, and then you guys can have a seat. Jesus, thank you for your word, and thank you for all those that you've called in to the sanctuary this morning, Lord, and I pray that your, your narrative, what you went through, your life, cannot just have an impact on our life today, but this message, your word and Mark, can help us throughout our lives. We pray this thing in your name. Amen. So like I told you, the night before this moment, Jesus had a, an incredible busy day ushering the kingdom of God. It says the whole city showed up at sundown. 
Now, to me, this feels like a, a, a Friday night light, so whole town shuts down for the high school football game kind of thing. It says the whole city showed up for Jesus. And what is cool is Jesus showed up for them as he was healing as many people as possible. He healed everyone that went into, went into Simon's house. Now, as amazing as this night is, guys, I want us to put ourselves in their shoes. How hectic, how chaotic do you think that night was? I mean, you have people crying, most likely, crying because of their pains, their ailments that they've had maybe their whole life, uh, maybe just a recent thing. You have people who are demon-possessed, who are probably shouting the name of Jesus. You have all this noise. You have people pushing their way through, like people were for Taylor Swift. I did it. <laughs> pushing their way through just to get a glimpse of who Jesus is, to see his miracle. You have people shouting for joy because now they're healed. I can just imagine so much dust, so many people. And for me, this would have been an exhausting night. If you think about it, this happened at sundown. So Jesus already went. He had a whole day, and then he just kept healing people. So if this was me, all I would want to do is sleep in the next day. Like, give me, give me at least 10 hours of sleep, and I'll, I'll be fine. But I'm not Jesus. And Jesus did the opposite. Mark tells us that rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So I love this, because Mark kind of slows the mood down a little bit. I love how descriptive he is, a little redundant. He says, rising early in the next morning while it was still dark. So we know that Jesus made, a, made an intentional time here to go away. And I think we all have that moment, a memory in our life where we wake up early, still dark, maybe a little foggy, and there's peace. To me, growing up, my family, we were very poor. Um, so our only vacation every year was going to the local lake, but it was so much fun. We had a pretty banged-up jet ski and a pretty banged-up boat, but every summer we would go to this lake. And this lake was full of us poor people, <laughs> that this is all we could afford. But the lake was filled with boats, jet skis, people windsurfing, the skiers, the wakeboarders. You'd even, you'd even get the occasional police boat chasing another boat. That always brought excitement, but it was fun. It was chaotic, but it was fun. But there was one time during the day where it wasn't so chaotic, and that was if you woke up very early. So the thing that I would do is I would wake up before everybody else, hop on that jet ski, and go as fast as I possibly can on the lake. But it was nice because it was like a sheet of glass where I was just able to cruise with no wakes, no waves, no people. And then I would just stop in the middle of the lake and just look around and enjoy this peace and this calm. Chaos was on its way. It was going to be very short-lived. But for this moment, it was peaceful. So I'm curious with you guys, and those of you watching online, what's your memory? What's that memory that you have that you can get away and just have that peace and calm? Chaos is coming, but for this moment, peace. We already did the meet and greet, so I won't let you guys do that again. But after service, I honestly, I would love to hear where that place is for you.
Jesus in this moment, he wakes up early before everyone else. Chaos just happened, and chaos is on its way. But for right now, he gets this peace, calm moment. And what he chooses to do with it is to spend it with his father in prayer, an intentional prayer. And what I would argue is to be recharged after what he just spent so much energy the night before. In Mark, we see Jesus pray three times. This moment, and then we'll see later, after he feeds the 5,000, and right before he walks on water, he goes off to a place and prays to his father. And the third is in the garden, right before he does his greatest miracle, which is gifting us all salvation for those who believe. So we see three moments in Mark. But Luke, chapter 5, 16, kind of tells us more about Jesus. Luke says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And this is what we're witnessing right now with Jesus, is his dependence on God to be recharged. You see, we have this moment where Jesus kind of looks like he's on his own. He's doing his, his thing. But this gives us a glimpse of where that power comes from, the ability to come from, and that is with his father. And we see this dependence. James Edwards, in his commentary on Mark, says this. The work of the Son of God is both an inward and an outward work. Jesus cannot extend himself outward in compassion without first attending to the source of his mission and purpose with the Father. And conversely, his oneness with the Father compels him outward in mission. The significance of Jesus' ministry consists not simply in what he does for humanity, but equally in who he is in relation to the Father. Like I said, I assume that night was amazing. But I do have to also assume that Jesus is exhausted. You know, I read the moment where Jesus healed a woman who had bleeding for years, pretty much her whole life. And if you remember this account, this woman says, all I have to do is touch his cloak. If I touch his cloak, I will be cleansed. I will be healed. And as there was a great crowd surrounding Jesus, she did it. She touched the, the, the tassel on his cloak and received a healing. But as there was a big commotion, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And one of his disciples, I believe it's Peter, it's always Peter, um, said, Jesus, there's, there's everyone surrounding us. Like, probably a lot of people touched you. But Jesus says, no, I felt the power leave me. So in that moment, if one woman touched his cloak and he felt power leave, I have to assume this whole city receiving this healing took a lot of power from our Christ. And so what he needed to do was go recharge, show his dependence on his father to keep the ministry going. And it makes me think of this question. If prayer was necessary for Jesus, how much more must it be necessary for us? If Jesus needed his father to recharge, how much more do we need it in our life today? See, Jesus in his humanity had people coming up to him with all kinds of problems, their desires, their needs, their loneliness, their desperation. There's a lot of people, and as you might know in this room, people can be pretty draining. And I bet Jesus was feeling pretty drained. And I want to ask you guys in this room, 
how are you feeling right now? Are you feeling this sense of drainage? Are you, do you feel like you need a recharge? Bill Walsh, greatest coach in history, but Bill Walsh, famous 49er coach, summed it up perfectly in his book, The Score Will Take Care of Itself. Here's what he said. How do you know if you're doing the job? If you're up at 3 a.m. talking to a tape recorder and writing notes on paper, have a knot in your stomach, rash on your skin, losing sleep and losing touch with wife and kids, have no appetite or sense of humor, and feel everything might turn out wrong, you're probably doing the job. Yeah, not, I'm glad none of you laughed at that, I'm telling you. <laughs> when I read that, it was supposed to be funny, but it was a little too real for me. I, like, I read that, I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. I, I think I had a conversation with Ryan, I'm like, yeah, I keep waking up in the middle of the night thinking all the things I have to do. I get my phone out, and I have to like write down everything before I can get some sleep. Anybody else with me on this? I want to see, where's our level at right now? <laughs> yes. Like, if Bill Walsh nailed it on the head with you, you are not alone. There are plenty of us who life is kind of hitting us really hard, and we have so much responsibility, so many people trusting us, so many people needing us, that we can start feeling that way. And, I mean, maybe you've said this statement. I know I've said it. I know I've heard my wife say it. But maybe you've said once... You know, once I'm done with this, then everything's going to be okay. Or once this season is done, I will be fine. What I want to say is we need to make sure that we are okay now. Like, if that's you in that quote, if you're finding yourself losing appetite, sense of humor, if you find yourself getting out of touch with your family, let's fix it now because that really is not okay. It might not be a season, and that season might be never-ending. So what we need to do is what Jesus did, and that is put our dependence on God for our recharge. We need to take intentional time to spend with our Father. So I want to ask you, what are you putting your dependence on to, to receive that? Because I'm telling you, maybe it is not a good night's sleep that you need to get the recharge. Maybe, maybe it is not that glass of wine at the end of the day, and it might not even be a vacation that you need. What you might need is time with God. Just intentional time. And if you're wondering how do you get that, I say do the same thing that Jesus did. Rise up early in the morning and spend time with him. Rise up early. Because if you don't take the intentional time, life is going to continue, and you will get interrupted in life just like Jesus is about to get interrupted. See, he takes his intentional time to be with his father. But as we saw, Simon and his companions are looking for Jesus. Here's what it says. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now, this translation is a little fun. Sounds like a simple task. It just sounds like Simon and his friends are like, hey, have you seen Jesus? Oh, let's, let's see if we can find Jesus. And as they found him, like, oh, there you are, man. Where you been? We're looking for you. That is not how this is actually translated. I want you to know that. The original meaning of this word, went looking for, can be better translated, hunted for him. <laughs> they went hunting for Jesus. 
So that wasn't just casual. That was very like pushing your way forward, trying to find Jesus. The, the word picture this gives me is imagine you're a kid and you are going to Target with your mom and your mom sends you to go back to the car to get her purse. And then when you go back, you're like, okay, where's my mom? Obviously, this is before cell phones. And as you're like going down Target, which has a million aisles, you're just like, oh, okay. Okay, where is she? We came here for one item. And then I feel bad for like the kids with Fred Meyer where they have the two aisles where you're just. <laughs> and as you keep looking for him, it feels like it takes an hour. You hear the voice in the sky saying, will Brian Cobley please come up to the front? Your mother is looking for you. Brian Cobley to the front. I'm like, well, now I got to wait because now everybody's going to know who I am <laughs> waiting for my mom. <laughs> I want to know parents in the room. Have you done this to your kids? Have you? <laughs> you done? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who's here's parents have done that to them? I want to see a show of hands. <laughs> so it's dying, you know. Cell phones have cured us from that embarrassment. But that's what they're doing. They are hunting for Jesus right now, looking for him. And the reason is, you know, after an exciting night, they probably want to see the continuation of this. They want to see more healing, more teaching, more exorcisms. Like, it's the ministry is working. So why should it end? Why should it stop? And from like, as we're seeing this, as we're seeing Simon lead people, this kind of gives us the same feeling that we'll see later, where Jesus tells Simon, get behind me, Satan. Where it's like Simon's so close, yet so far to really understand the purpose of Jesus. So as he's bringing everybody in, he's like, yeah, let's keep this, let's keep this going. And honestly, guys, I can't blame him. Ryan, last time Ryan preached, what we learned is Simon has a family. He has a mother-in-law, which means he most likely has a wife. I don't know about kids. Thank you. And he is sacrificing everything to follow Jesus. And right now, it looks like it's paying off. Like, people are getting healed. A whole city is showing up to hear this message. It is working. So Simon's like, hey, let's Let's keep the party going. Let's go look for him so he doesn't end. Because it's like the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But again, we're not Jesus. See, this thought, that if it ain't broke, don't fix it, is exactly why Jesus needed to go recharge with his father. Because he would also realign with his purpose. See, his primary mission is to not be a wonder worker but to proclaim the kingdom of God to all. He's not to be a wonder worker. Verse 38 says that Jesus replied to Simon, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Now, can you imagine the confusion that Simon might have had in this moment? Again, it looks like everything's going great and now we're just gonna, we're gonna go leave I mean, if you have a small business, you have a company, and people are using your product, you don't just go, you know what? Time to go do something else. I did it. Let's go. Jesus is saying, no, we got to leave now. As a whole people are waiting for him. He's like, no, we need to leave. We need to go to the nearby villages so I can preach. So Jesus, being intentional with his father in prayer, realigns with the purpose. He gets recharged and he gets realigned, and he now he realizes what he needs to do. Again, we see this in the garden. 
in that moment where Jesus spends, he goes out and prays with his father, comes with a request. But in that request, he gets encouraged by the father. He gets that recharge, but he also gets realigned by saying, not my will, but yours. Came with a request, but still realigned. In church, this might be something that we need. We also might need to be realigned with God's purpose. So my question for you is, do you need a realignment? Now, how many times do you reject that question in your life? Because I feel like I reject that question every single time I take my car in. I think every mechanic's like, hey, do you want a realignment? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Do you need a realignment? How much is that? 20 bucks. Nah, I'm okay. I don't need it. Guys, I, my first car uh, was a 1980-something BMW. The car broke down on me a lot. It was really embarrassing. It even broke down in front, of a, uh, in front of my high school, and a cop car had to like, give me a police escort into. Yeah, God just likes to put me on blast all the time. But this car, as terrible it was, also had like the worst alignment ever. Like the worst. I had to like, I think, grab either 9 or 10 and keep it at 12 just to drive straight on the road. And I'd be fighting with the road all the time. And every time I would take my car in, the guy was like, hey, you need a realignment. Do you want a realignment? And I'm like, no, I'm okay. The car's fine. I would fight with the road every single time I drive. But for some reason, I would reject this realignment. So my question for you is, are you rejecting a realignment from God? Even if things seem okay right now. I think one of my fam- like favorite Ryan quotes from, I think, week one of the sermon is, he was talking about, hey, this, 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 the purpose of Jesus, who Jesus is, is very serious, that you might be thinking to yourself, hey, I, if this is true, I might have to quit my job. And Ryan's answer was like, yeah, you might need to. We, things in our life might be going really well, but we might not realize how much we are not living to the purpose of what God has for us, that we might need a realignment. And how we figure that out is the same thing that Jesus did. Spend that intentional time with our God to be recharged, but to also to be realigned, realigned with him, realigned with his purpose, realigned with what he has for us, just like Jesus did. See, Jesus in this moment, in a solitary place, it recharges him, it realigns him, and it realigns him with God's purpose to leave, to go out and proclaim the name of God. So it says they traveled. They left, they traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Now, while, this is, while he's doing this, we encounter our next healing. It is a man with leprosy. It says a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing you can make me clean. So we have this man who's been suffering from this skin condition that most believe to be contagious, that pretty much all believe to be contagious. And this thought, how contagious this skin disease was, would have isolated him from his community, isolated him from his family, his friends. It also would have isolated him from religious practices, which means he couldn't participate in synagogue teachings. He couldn't participate in all of the sacrifices, the the major events going to Jerusalem. He couldn't do it. And if anybody noticed him, if anybody saw him, they would have screamed at him, rejected him, making him feel significantly worse about something that he had. Not something he was, something that he had. 
And it doesn't tell us, it doesn't specify how long he had this disease, but we do know that it was long enough to be desperate for a, a cleansing, to be desperate for Jesus. Desperate enough to break social laws. Because it said that he came close to Jesus and pretty much close enough for Jesus to touch him. Now, this would have been a major taboo. But listen to his request. I love his request. It says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He doesn't really ask for a healing, which it does mean that. But he's asking for a cleansing. Make me clean. See, this request is because leprosy was thought to be incurable. The only way to be cured of leprosy is pretty much a miracle from God. I want you to hear that. A miracle from God. Which means that this man, when he looks at Jesus and he hears the power of Jesus, is connecting Jesus to God. He's making the connection that they're one and the same. That the power of him is a power of God. And through this, he can make me clean. But you see, he's not just asking for the healing. He's not just asking for the cleansing. This man is asking to be restored. Jesus brings restoration. He brings restoration. See, this man is desperate for the restoration to be restored back into his community, to be able to be around his family again, his friends, to have a job, a sense of purpose, to have a meal, to share a meal with somebody again, and to be touched and what's amazing is Jesus is going to be the first person to touch him since he's been an outcast. It says Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. We see that Jesus was indignant. And as you read this, your translation might say something else. There's some translations that say that Jesus was angry, there's some translations that says Jesus showed compassion on this man. So whether he was angry at how this man was treated or whether he showed compassion, what we do know is that Jesus touched this man and he was cleansed. He was restored. This man was no longer a man with leprosy. People wouldn't run from him. People wouldn't yell at him. People wouldn't be terrified of him. He can be in relations with others. And now he's been restored not just on earth, but he's restored in the kingdom. Restored to participate in stuff that would bring him closer to the presence of God. And Jesus, in keeping with the law, told him what to do next. He says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. And he says, see that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. See, Jesus does tell him what to do, to be fully restored. Now, we can see that this man did not listen to Jesus, and I would love to preach more on that, but that will be a sermon for a, uh, another day. Um, but Jesus tells this guy, he keeps, Jesus, keeping with the law, tells him to show yourself to the priest. You've been restored. You've been cleansed. You've had the miracle from God that you were desperate for. This man is restored back to his community and back into worship. Jesus brings restoration. Now, without the whole leprosy part, 
Maybe you can relate to this man. But maybe you feel like you're cut off. Cut off from society, cut off from community. Maybe cut off from a family member. Or maybe you're sitting in this room and thinking that you've been feeling cut off from God for a long time. And that you're hoping and needing and craving restoration as well. I want to tell you that restoration, it comes from Jesus. Here's my last word picture of the day for you. Growing up, my brother Mark and I, we would visit our dad every other weekend. And every other weekend, our dad would pick us up in Gloria. Beautiful Gloria. She was a beautiful 1973 Chevy C10 pickup. Love that truck. Isn't she gorgeous? Look at her. My dad's good looking too, but like, look at that truck. But see, when my dad would pick us up, he would go on the roads that he knew there was no police officers and just step on it. And it was such a beautiful sound to hear. But while he picked us up, he was also blasting Slick Rick songs, Midnight Star, and any other funk band that Harmonious Funk last Wednesday was playing. But I loved it. I love Gloria. And my brother and I, when we were sitting next to our dad in this truck, we'd always say, Dad, when you die, which is always a great thing to say to somebody, <laughs> when you die, we're going to get this truck. And my dad would look at us and go, mijos, when I die, I'm getting buried in this truck. <laughs> but my dad did die. And when he died, I found out that he actually gave me Gloria. And I was so excited. But as you can tell, Gloria was not as beautiful as she once was. <laughs> she was beat up. The upholstery was destroyed. There was Bondo everywhere on that truck. But I tried. I tried everything to, to bring her back to, to her glory days. But going to Bible college and then moving to Wisconsin and going into ministry didn't, doesn't really help the finances to try and restore a classic. So I called my brother up. I said, hey, Mark, I'm so sorry, man. I should have done this from the beginning. Glory is yours. In my hands, glory is not going to make it. She's yours. And so my brother gladly accepted <laughs> Gloria. And this is what Gloria looks like now. Just restored. Able to restore her. Now, don't tell my brother that I'm comparing him to Jesus because I'll never, <laughs> I won't hear the end of it. But Gloria needed my brother for that restoration. She, to, to, to survive, to be a part of society again, Gloria needed my brother. Just like we need Jesus. Now, if you're in this room, and again, you feel like you're cut off, seek Jesus. Seek Jesus like this man with leprosy. Go spend some intentional time with Jesus to be recharged, to be realigned, and to be restored. To be restored, or just to see some restoration. Because as you see in this verse, as Jesus was kind of kicked out to lonely places, people were still coming to him. So that restoration, it might not be for you. The band, you guys can make yourself up. But I want to ask you, in our point this morning, those three points, Tom, would you be able to put that up for me again? In those three points, where are you this morning? Do you feel like you need to be recharged? Do you feel 
like that Bill Walsh quote? Did it hit right on the, net, right on the head for you? Or maybe you feel like you need to be realigned, that you're kind of fighting the road, fighting the path that God has for you, and you just want to check, and like, what do I need to do? God, I'm your instrument. Tell me what I need to do, and I'll go do it. Or are you on that part where you need to be restored? If that's you, man, this morning, I, I, I encourage you, give it to Christ. In this next song, after service, I want to talk to Ryan, talk to me. Ask for that restoration, receive that restoration. And if you're all three, man, we are here for you. We're here to help you on that path. So where are you? Where are you when it comes to these three points? Will you stand and pray with me? Jesus, I'm praying for your people here in this sanctuary, wherever they're at, wherever they need, or even the people that they, are, they encounter every day. Lord, I pray you show up for them. In that intentional time, that time that they get to spend with you, show up. Like the Father showed up for you, show up for our people here at Arbor and our community to encourage, to recharge, to realign, and to restore. Lord, let them experience you and feel your presence on earth and in preparation for the kingdom. Amen.